Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 158 of At Odds with Wrestling. Joe and Adam here, and Adam, you've yes. been celebrating all week. I have. The party hasn't stopped. You are talking to the reigning and defending the A-Show champion, uh, a championship that honestly was never in doubt from the start, but, you know, now it's official, and we can go on with, uh, you know, basically working on making the A-Show a better show, a show that's made in my image. In your image, huh? Yes, yes. Well, I hope for your party you looked past all the party favors, definitely not repurposed from the uh, ticker tape parade that I was holding in Hagerstown, Maryland a few weeks ago. <laughs> Ain't no attention to what's covering them up. Look, <laughs> got, just look at the banner that says Mission Accomplished. Yes, yes. I got a good deal on all that stuff. Yes. You know? So so what is this you're making the... So, okay. Uh, how do you want to... So, uh, well, let's talk about the, the win first. Yeah, you know? so, I, so again, I knew you were going to win, uh, but it was a lot closer than I would have liked it to be. Yeah. I think it's it's safe to say that, like, right off the bat, you know, I, it was a convincing lead. I had the lead. Tim was in second, and Brett was bringing up the rear. And, you know, that's how it was looking for most of the week. But I feel like at some point, the entire internet wrestling community decided they were going to ban up against me. And you had, like, people not even associated with the podcast. Like, you had The Boar. You had Ed Cody from Pod Van Dam. They were all tweeting in support of Tim. And that kind of made, you know, made it a much closer race. So at that point, I was starting to, you know, I was shilling for some votes. You know, I was sending some DMs. Hey, if you haven't, you know, vote for me on this thing for me. And then it became clear that Tim was doing the same thing. And then all of our burners got involved. You know, I blew off the dust of Longbox Villains. You know, Porch Talk threw a vote in there. And then Tim, obviously, you know, he busted out the all the the various opportunity podcasts that he's on, you know, just voting there. So we all blew through our burners. And then Tim took a last minute lead like it was the morning of the vote. In my mind, I thought it was going to end at noon. So it was like maybe five minutes, 10 minutes before noon on Monday. And like all of a sudden, out of nowhere, he gets like 15 votes. And I'm like, ah, what happened? And he admitted in our little group chat that he went and put the link up on Facebook, just basically uh-huh. asking Facebook friends to vote for him. And at that point, I was already at the importer exporter business. So I was just running around the store frantically being like, do you have a Twitter? No. OK, never mind. Do you have a Twitter? Oh, you do. OK, let me see it. <laughs> and I was able to basically uh, get a last minute win by like a vote or two. I, I think all pretenses of people having to have listened to the show went away like four days into it oh and sure it, yeah it just became a who can get more votes type of thing and uh once again no doubt that i i had the better show and uh i got the most votes so i will be advancing for the second time to the tournament of champions so it just felt good to uh unbookmark that tweet so i don't have to look at it anymore of the poll <laughs> Um, obviously everyone, you know, Hey, going to Twitter on your desktop is for olds. I've never said that I'm not an old, um, but I would have to like close out the app entirely and reopen it on my phone to get like the updates of the new votes. Whereas if I'm looking at it on the desktop, like I could literally see like the votes coming in in real time. Yeah, I was on the, the, the tweet so often on my phone that it would just lock up for an hour or so. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you know, like I, 
I'd have like an election war room where I'm trying to get the most updated, like all the precincts reporting. <laughs> and so I did find out that if you go to the desktop, you can get like decimals of percentages, which was very helpful. But I did finish. Uh, we had 172 votes and I had 47 percent of the vote, uh, according to the uh, the mobile app. And the uh, the folks at the A show said it was their most downloaded episode ever. So you're wow, welcome. you're welcome for for bringing that there. And uh, I, I know, man, like I, I said, I, I've been working on ways to fix the A show, you know, uh, just beating Tim Taylor repeatedly, you know, uh, renaming the wild card r- round after myself was big, you know, just being in the tournament twice. I have a lot of ideas, Joe, because, you know, as the person who's basically representing their show going forward, there's a lot of things we can do to just make it better. And since they're not getting rid of me, I'm going to be on it like in the tournament, in the like the semifinals, the finals. And, you know, it's it's about time that, you know, someone like myself with obviously your, you know, your influence as well. We're going to we're going to we're going to mix things up a little bit. You know, I have ideas. Maybe I'll maybe I'll tweet something out shortly about that. Well, you mentioned some of the ideas that you had, and you did say that you're going to make the show better or fix the show, the A show, or whatever it is. Yeah. Uh, but again, you're already kind of like claiming ownership and championship here mm-hmm. in the second annual, bear that in mind, second annual tournament of champions. Um, and like I said, you're, you're if you're going to win, you're going to be on at least three more times, right? Yeah, because um, if I remember like last year, I, I beat uh, – well, I beat Jason Diagostino in the first round, and then there was something happened in the second round. I don't quite remember, and I was unable to attend the finals. So, but right, I, I believe- it was it was in Rio de Janeiro. There's no tape of it, but let's just say uh, you you have a case if you wanted to, to dispute it, right? Yeah, yeah. But I, I guess in theory, if you were to go through the tournament, you would have three matches, three episodes. Even though I believe at this point, I re- I should really get a first round by. You know, so maybe I should only have to, you know, go two rounds, you know, let all the people that are just proving themselves go uh, through the, the the first round. But we'll see. You know, I'll, I'll talk to management and, and see what they have to say, you know. Well, listen, uh, you said you're in this with my assistance as a well, former winner of the Tournament of Champions myself. You know, um, you say that you should get a buy. Mm-hmm. I don't know. You're the only person who had to compete against two non-host members. This is true. This is right. true. Like, I, I feel like I uh, that's a good point, because I've never actually had the uh, the opportunity to face the hosts. Like, you know, the Boar gets into the Tournament of Champions, Ed Cody, you know, they beat the hosts. And I mean, realistically, how hard is that? I mean, really? <laughs> you know, so every single time I've gotten into the tournament, it's been against, you know, somebody... Again, I don't want to give Tim a lot of credit because look how good he is. I beat him twice. But, you know, it's, it's better than facing, you know, Matt. But, you know, so I have had a tougher road to the tournament both times. Uh, again, just proving why I'm the champion of the A-Show. Okay. Well, I know they're, they're recording uh, this, you know, as we record, mm-hmm. they're recording with uh, David Kincannon. They're doing Ring of Honor 2010. Okay. Which is going to be very interesting how that pans out, you know? Okay, I'm, I'm a fan of the old DeWiki. I, I wouldn't mind beating him, you know, whatever round it is. Right. But, uh, that'd be interesting. I just so, want to say, obviously, Joe, the, there's there's going to be much more on this, you know, in the, the weeks and months ahead. So tune in. 
Right, of course. I think when the tournament comes up, they actually go weekly um, to buzz by because on their bi-weekly recording schedule, I get tripped up when mm-hmm. podcasts are on like a bi-weekly recording schedule. You know, I get confused. Yeah, plus, you know, like kayfabe behind the scenes stuff, they, we record the A-show on an off week when they don't drop an episode, so there's always like a week delay. I don't know why, because it's certainly not time spent on editing the show. Oh, my God. <laughs> Come on so that's, now. That's something that, you know, uh, again, as champion of the show, I feel like we definitely need to address, and maybe I'll, I'll, I'll write that down. Uh, listen, you sounded very broski-esque here, you know? No, no, not at all. Not at all. I would we're, never emulate broski in any way, Joe. We're going to have actual medical professionals. We're <laughs> actually going to have a canvas or uh, an apron around the ring. What are we, what are we, uh, what are we, kings and queens here podcasting? <laughs> oh, I want a professional edit job. Oh, <laughs> I want things to sound well, you know? Ooh, can I make an A-show crown? That's something I'll look into. Oh, boy. Well, listen. <laughs> this, this could, this, all of this could have very easily been in my likes or dislikes, but we're only doing two. <laughs> uh, so let's get into our likes and dislikes from this past week. Uh, there is no This Day in Wrestling history. Not enough meat on the bone, uh, so it's a collapsible segment. And uh, I am going to defer to Adam, fresh off his victory, to go first, of course. Okay, I'm going to go with uh, my first thing here. You know, we talked last week about how prior to the match even taking place, we wrote down in our likes, both of us, Danielson versus Omega. Because we're like, no matter what, this is going to be in our likes. I mean, there, there would have to be a catastrophic mistake for this not to be a like. So I wrote down in my notes uh, the whole... You know, the, the match that the entire wrestling world was waiting for. I wrote down Tay Conti and Anna Jay versus the Bunny and Penelope Ford. But you know what, Joe? This is in my dislikes. What? It's in my dislikes because the match was so short. Like, I get you don't want to go ahead and do another 30-minute time limit draw because you just did one last week or the week before. And, and so you don't want to do that again. But maybe, like, announce a 30-minute time limit, but, like, at the 20, 28 minutes and, like, 59 seconds, something like that, have the, the fall count right before there. I just feel like we were deprived of, like, some of the best women's wrestling we've been able to see in a long time. Uh, I mean, first of all, thousands of people bought tickets to see that match, and it went, like, 10 minutes. It went to a commercial. The picture-in-picture went away halfway through the commercial. I mean, they got new gear, Joe, and and they have new theme music. It's like, TJ, fight. All of it was awesome, except for the fact that the match was way too short. A lot of unhappy people leaving that arena that night. So that why that is the reason why it is in my dislikes, and definitely not because I have other likes I want to talk about. Uh, so I, I was watching this uh, as my uh, wife and son were going to bed. Uh, I think the blood jinx uh, streak is over. <laughs> and uh, when, they, when my wife had come in right when they were at the spot where they did like the corner kicks uh take Conte and Anna J, right yeah and I'll just say um might have been a lot more daylight on some of these shots on live television with other contracted performers with take Conte than the and again I would never say takes liberties but she's <laughs> uh she is stiffy McGee with some of the uh dark and dark elevation folks is all I'm yeah. saying <laughs> um yeah the, the only the- other oh 
Go ahead. I was going to say the the TKO that was done outside was uh, there's about a good foot in between there, but it's okay, mm-hmm. you know. It's all right. Listen. Yeah. Uh, the only other remark I have about that match, uh, even though he has been working hard to try to get back into my good graces, as a lot of people have been pointing out uh, to me, publicly burying uh, the Being the Elite theme song, uh, <laughs> a loser's song for a show for losers, mm-hmm. um, putting over Bret Hart and Raven as influences on his career, um, saying that he's never going to write a comic book again, <laughs> but... Uh, Phil uh, did let a little of the old 2003-2004 Ring of Honor commentary Phil slip out during uh, this women's match. Yeah, and, yeah, a couple uh, things. <laughs> yeah, you know, and everyone kind of looks the looks the other way when it comes to Phil, but uh, never fret. I'll I'll never look the other way when it comes to him. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, again, you know, it is difficult to do commentary when you have the face of women's wrestling in there. The face. The face. Uh, so, hey, let's get into a like for me. All right. All right. This past weekend uh, was a World Wrestling Entertainment pay-per-view. Uh, not the horror show, but it was at Extreme Rules. <laughs> and this is in my likes. I really liked the the last two matches. Uh, I liked Becky versus uh, Bianca. I, I thought it was, you know, obviously, I felt as though they could have got a little bit more mileage out of them doing a gimmick where, let's say, Bianca beats Becky in less time than Becky beat her. And then that's a way to continue the program between them. But I thought the two of them had great chemistry together. I thought the match itself was really good. Uh, And then the main event with the demon Finn Balor uh, taking on uh, the champion, uh, the Uwa man, the head of the table, uh, all the other monikers that he has. Universal champion Roman Reigns. I thought that match was a very fast-paced brawl. Uh, I liked the bit with Roman putting on the mask to go brawl out into the crowd, which was a nice touch. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I thought like the you know those those matches were good. So Adam, if you don't mind, uh, I, I'd like to get into my dislike here as oh. well. All right, go for it. Because my dislike, my first dislike is the finish for both of these matches. <laughs> because the matches themselves were great. Yeah. Uh, except for the part at the end that everyone remembers. Um, yeah. <laughs> and, you know, I don't think they officially said that Bianca versus Becky was like extreme rules, no disqualification. I think it was just a match. Uh, yeah. But to have a match at extreme rules end by disqualification, uh, especially when it's by a returning anti-vaxxer. Hmm. Um, so that kind of ruined that match. And then um, the sports entertainment finish of the main event of everyone taking the big bumps to the table. Um, Finn being woken back up by the heartbeat of the beginning of his music. <laughs> and then the finish, the top rope snapping. Now, a lot of people were like, oh, well, the demon you know, was so distracted by this. But if you watch, you, you could tell that he was kind of selling his leg a bit, right? Yeah, like he fell awkwardly. Yeah, that he fell awkwardly, and I don't think the commentators picked up on it. I'll say this, if you wanted me to believe that the demon was injured off of this, he should have, like, caught his leg on the hook for the ring post, like um, Hair Revival did that one time. <laughs> and you see, like, the skin just rip off. If we oh. got something like that with Finn Balor... 
uh, and that leads to the finish. I'm like, I don't think as many people would be complaining. Um, but this just kind of goes to show you that the in-ring talent at World Wrestling Entertainment is fantastic. When left to their own devices, they could put on phenomenal matches, exciting matches, and so on and so forth. But sadly, they're not the ones that come up with the finishes to the matches. Those are the eight. Those are the producers. Those are Vince McMahon and my sweet Brucey. <laughs> so, um, great matches, horrible, embarrassing finishes. Just terrible. Yeah. I actually watched the pay-per-view live or maybe a couple minutes behind, you know, when you count in the random cock commercials that, you know, delay my broadcast versus your broadcast. You know, everybody's kind of at a different timeline. You know, some people are even watching it on the Legacy Network. But so I was live. So I was watching a lot of the Twitter reaction to stuff, you know, and I've, everybody's losing their mind for the reasons that you mentioned. You know, why, why is there a disqualification on extreme rules? And can you believe this finish of this Finn Balor Roman Reigns match? And I didn't necessarily have that reaction because I'm desensitized to it at this point. Like, I didn't throw my arms up in disgust for the Balor uh, finish because I'm like, eh. It's WWE. Like, did I expect something better? You know, because I, I I did not expect the demon to beat Roman Reigns. So I figured they have to figure out some kind of way to get out of it. And sure, there's a billion ways they could have gotten out of it that would have made more sense and we would not be tearing into. But again, that's not what WWE would do. So like the fact that they had such terrible finishes to two of their marquee matches, I was just kind of like, yeah, that makes sense. I'm not surprised. You know, and another thing, obviously, the internet wrestling community is piling on WWE. So you have all these WWE Twitter stan accounts, you know, like Sasha Banks 74281 or whatever, that are tweeting the picture of the Finn Balor rope break right next to the failed explosion of the AEW deathmatch. And, and I, I love it's not my response, it's a million other people's responses. One of them was an accident. One of them somebody thought was a good idea, you know. But again, I'm not surprised by it. I do agree the matches were great. Uh, I in, thoroughly enjoyed the Finn Balor match uh, versus Roman Reigns. But again, I just wasn't shocked, you know. It was one of those things where you can see some kind of fuckery coming. But I would have much rather have been something with like the Usos or uh, somebody else coming out you know, and interfering in the match, even if it was like Corbin or something like that, you know, but I agree with everything you said. I'll even say that there might've been a way, at least in the, um, the, the demon, uh, Roman Reigns match is you could have done something having the Usos come in and is another instance where baby faces in WWE have no friends, right? Yeah. So it's just odds upon odds upon odds upon odds where like, you now have maybe like all these broken tables in the ring or whatever. And Roman throws all the broken tables on top of Finn Balor and then beats the hell out of those. And then finally pins them underneath all the debris. <laughs> so one, it's like Finn Balor went through all of this. He overcame essentially three people. He, he f was against three people. He's under this huge pile of rubble being pinned and then you could even add the dispute there that like maybe because he was covered by all this rubble the referee couldn't clearly see his shoulders yeah so even something like that that you could build but like having a quote-unquote mechanical failure of the ring um they're doing a bit where like roman reigns are like looking to the heavens i don't really know where they're going and then of course there's a lot of other people's whole thing of saying let it play out 
<laughs> let the let the explanation come on SmackDown, right? Mm-hmm. Um, how satisfying do you think that that's going to be when we find out that it was Paulie was on the phone with the ring crew and paid someone off to like loosen that? But again, why would it happen at that exact moment? Why would it not have happened otherwise? WWE has proven over many many years, and how you said. We've just become used to this. This is the way that WWE does things, right? And that's kind of the way that our mindset has been for the better part of almost, you know, 20 years. And over the last two years, with the advent of AEW being a viable option, you know, we're kind of reminded. It's like, oh, yeah, finishes can be better. And, oh, yeah, when things go wrong, there's a logical way that you could explain it and kind of salvage this, right? Yeah. Um. Like I said, I think with no AEW in the picture and this finish happens, I don't think anyone cares. Yeah. It's just another WWE pay-per-view that'll yeah. be forgotten a week later. Right. You know? I, I'm all, just not to keep belaboring the point, but I, I'm always amazed when I listen to, like, Final Wrestling Place and, like, Tim and Marcus are, like, talking about a WWE pay-per-view and not even like a mania or a rumble, like an in your house or, you know, a vengeance or something like that that happened 15 years ago. And they have fond memories of like most of the card. And, and there are WWE pay-per-views from two months ago that I, you could not pay me to remember a match on it. You know, it's just such a stark contrast. Yeah. So I doubled up there with a like and a dislike. So you go ahead, sir. Yeah. All right. I actually have two likes, both from the same show. And I'll just do one at a time and jump in if you'd like. My first like is the huge tag team match from AEW Dynamite, including all the Hardy people, the Hardy family office or whatever, against Orange Cassidy and the Dark Order. This was, again, continuing the storyline of there being dissension in the Dark Order. You have the evil Uno, Grayson, and Colt Cabana on one side, and you're, you know, Ten, and uh, everybody else on the other side. You know, John Silver and Reynolds. And obviously, at some point in the match, you know, Uno and his little configuration of people kind of powder out to the outside. And eventually, they are chased back to the ring by negative one throwing papers at them. And uh, Amanda being there as well. They all come back like a house on fire. They do that thing where John Silver just basically runs through everybody like a buzzsaw, which is fucking awesome. And it was just a really good feel-good moment on AEW's return to Rochester. Uh, So this is my likes as well. Um, For most of the reasons that you mentioned, um, obviously everything that had happened there. Uh, in the match, it was great seeing negative uh, one. Uh, I got a kick out of seeing Amanda being there yelling at everyone as well. Uh, that was pretty good. Um, but obviously, this gives me an opportunity to talk about yesterday. They also announced uh, the formation of the John Huber Legacy Foundation. Yeah. Um, which is going to be a charity set up um, to assist people. Um, Uh, in creative fields, not just limited to wrestling, uh, who have not taken that next step because of family obligations. Okay. Um, So they're officially getting uh, underway in uh, early 2022. Um, They have a website set up, johnhuberlegacyfoundation.org, and email info at same thing. 
Um, and it's just kind of a landing page for what's going to be set up there. I recommend signing up for whatever mailing list that they have, um, supporting any way that you can through social media. Um, you know, John uh, was a really good guy, and you can see how his legacy kind of um, still is felt, you know, obviously directly with this, but indirectly with everything else that you've seen in AEW. Um, you look at some of the more recent signees, as we talked before about Punk and uh, Brian Danielson specifically, talked about how AEW handled John's illness and unfortunate passing uh, so well privately and publicly was part of what helped them make the decision that this was the company for them. So, you know, obviously if you're fans of those guys or you're just a fans of, you know, a wrestling company treating people like humans, um, this is definitely something to to look into and explore and so forth. Um, but yeah, so the match itself, but more so um, little Brody and Amanda's involvement in the match uh, yeah. were in my likes. Yeah, absolutely. And there is obviously that tribute shirt from that company, and that's an option, or you can donate directly to the foundation. Right. When that option becomes available, uh, not a knock on that shirt or whatever, but as friend of the show, co-host of We Need Wrestling, DJ looked, uh, if you go for anything above an extra large or if you want the softy shirt, you're looking like an extra 10 bucks almost on already a $20 shirt. Plus shipping, plus waiting minimally three weeks to get the shirt. Yeah. I say whatever money that you had earmarked for that shirt, just put it aside and donate. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I'll just go ahead and do my other like because it is related in the fact that it's also from AEW Dynamite. And that's actually the main event, Sammy Guevara defeating Miro for the TNT title. This is a really fun match. And the big reason why this is in my likes is as much as I know... AEW sees Sammy Guevara as a star and rightfully so and like an up-and-coming guy deserving of like that you know the the middle belt you know the non-world title belt at no point did I see Miro losing this so <clears throat> excuse me you know obviously this match built on the already established uh canon that Miro has like a weak neck and when he got hit by with the tornado DDT and he staggered I'm like oh holy shit you know they're bringing that back uh, and, and Sammy couldn't hit the GTH earlier in the match, and he finally lands it, and the crowd's going nuts. He goes to the top for the big top rope, 750 splash, whatever it is, and he actually gets the win, and the crowd erupts, and I legitimately was like, holy shit. Like, I was, for somebody who claims in my mind to think I know what's going to happen in most, most matches, I was very shocked that they pulled the trigger this soon, especially considering Sammy hadn't really been doing anything you know, other than being uh, the buddy of the, you know, I forget the luchador guy that put his car up. Fuego for del Sol. Fuego del Sol. Other than being like Fuego del Sol's champion and they like, yay, Fuego. He hasn't really done much in the last couple of months. So just to see this win come out of nowhere on top of it being a fun match uh, was definitely in my likes. Uh, not in my likes. Obviously, my likes are spent, not in my dislikes either. But I thought this was a really good match. Uh, it's nice when wrestling can shock you and surprise you. Mm. Um, and yeah, you know, the last time I think Sammy had a match, it was like he ended his rivalry or feud with uh, Sean Spears. And prior to that, he had lost to MJF in a uh, bad match. Yeah. But yeah, I'm very surprised to see that win. And 
I don't think it takes anything away from Miro. You know, he can come out and just start murdering people again yeah. next week, you know? All right, I have one dislike left. Are you? Yeah. Uh, I have one dislike left as well. Um, and this would have to be in just three weeks' time, uh, as Adam has christened it, and I'm doing my best to help get it over. It's not a hashtag, but it's something. <laughs> uh, the biggest casualty, I would say, to the current rebranding of NXT Two Point Glow <laughs> is the women's division. There was a time where World Wrestling Entertainment on their television could say that NXT had the best women's division in the world. And they could say that, and it would be a truthful statement. They can no longer state that. Not to say that they do not have a lot of talented women on their roster, especially in NXT. But over the last three weeks on NXT Two Point Glow, the ones that they're really heavily focusing on ain't so good. Um... You know, I, I feel bad that Io Shirai and uh, Zoe Starks had, like, this nice deal as a tag team. And I hate, like, crazy mixed-up tag team partners that don't get along. But it still didn't take away from their abilities in the ring. I thought they were both very good. Um, Saray, you know, came out last week and, like, turned a match into a holler-holler six-woman match. <laughs> but, like, she's being wasted. And, you know, we're focusing on, you know, not so good women on the roster now. Um, Again, I'm not going to name them, but I think, you know, if you know uh, who they are. But, uh, yeah, I just feel bad that this now is truly the end of an era at NXT that the women's roster is no longer good. Yeah. And it's not like and I agree with everything you just said there, but it's not like all these great NXT women went up to the main roster where they're now being showcased. Like when years ago, when NXT lost Bailey and Sasha and Charlotte and, you know, all in one swoop, all of a sudden the, the main roster got this influx of new blood, you know? So it was, yeah, you're depriving NXT, but you're making the main roster better. And that's really what NXT is there for. But like so many women got taken off of NXT like top top women who are now on the main roster and their gimmick is just to be somebody's girlfriend or they're just up there to job to to charlotte flair and uh or they're in dark matches yeah or they yeah they they just were called up and have never made it to television you know but i i i we were all in agreement especially back during the wednesday night wars that like the one thing that when we did our what do we like and what do we didn't like about the two shows is that the women's division was always hands down the best on NXT. And yeah, it's not so much. I'd be hard pressed to name more than like five women on that show. I could name them. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but cause I have a spreadsheet. I, I, I am keeping that spreadsheet, Adam. Yeah, no, I, I respect that. Yeah. And also I, I want to thank you for keeping my legacy alive with two point glow. Right. <laughs> yeah. You know, like I had to, uh, and I tweeted out the updates to the spreadsheet, you know, <laughs> um, you know, as we saw different things uh, regarding like a, a big change, of course, was that Cora Jade not wearing a hat on TV this week. So Aww. that's, that's like, character development. See, I like the hat. <laughs> I know I did, too. Um, and uh, what was some of the other ones? Um, most of them were on the men's roster side, but I'm keeping track of these things, right? Yeah. Somebody I, has to. I don't think anyone in the company are. <laughs> you and Ed. That's about it. Well, Ed's just keeping uh, track of uh, Dante Chan, and that's really yes, it. This is true. I haven't watched NXT this week. but I, Oh, it's you on, haven't? It's on my DVR. I'll get to it. I'll get to okay. it. Okay. <laughs> All right, Joe. 
my final dislike. And you know what? You usually end the show. I'm glad it worked out this way because I have a rant. Oh, my goodness. Yep. Yep. Now, obviously, I can't do it as uh, eloquently as you can, but I just want to talk about a little show that happened this past Friday at GCW. We had Effie (laughs) defeating Broski for the Internet Championship. And now here's the thing, Joe. I got nothing against Effie. I've seen lots of his promos, especially over the last week. Seen a couple of his matches. You know, I saw one at the, the homecoming that myself, Brett, and DJ went to. Good guy. Seems pretty okay. I'm not even going to complain about the fact that, once again, there was no bell, Joe. I mean, there, if there's no bells, we just have anarchy. When does the match start? We don't know. But the thing that really bothers me is now Effie's going around calling himself the Internet Champion. And, and if there's one thing I've been completely consistent on, Joe, is that nothing bothers me more than somebody carrying around a made-up title. Like, again... It's not a real title. Why are you out there calling yourself the internet champion? Like that that's fake. You're just a mark for yourself. Like who would do that? That nobody that I respect. So the fact that Effie beat Broski in questionable means and is now calling himself some kind of fictional champion, I don't buy it. Again, it's not a real title. I don't I don't acknowledge it and it's in my dislikes. Well, listen, I'll say uh as a Broski fan or a Bros <laughs> well, again, I'm not a uh, well how could I say this? Uh, I'm definitely not a Broski understander. I'm definitely not a Broski apologist. Uh, let's say I'm I'm Broski neutral. Let's say okay. Yes. Uh-huh. Um, if you saw the video for him preparing for the weekend, where he brought every single one of his replica titles with him for the figure federation that he made. <laughs> um. I don't want to say that he may have lost the belt just because it was one less belt to carry through customs on his way home. Um, but I will point this out to you. Uh, as How about this? As a Broski factual reporter, okay? Yes, yes. You're so Broski complains about the Chicago screw job. Rightfully so. Then, then he complains about the New York screw job. Also rightfully so. Then he complains about the wherever the hell he was in Pennsylvania the the, the <laughs> night after screw job there as well. Okay. <laughs> yep. This sounds like someone who is on a downswing. This so, sounds like someone who's on a losing streak. And I just say Broski should get prepared for not the uh, Cleveland or Akron screw job this weekend. He should get ready for the Akron annihilation because Josh Bishop. Stiffy McGee himself, the second coming of Sid Vicious. He'll show up. No travel bans on him. I think it was <laughs> 20 minutes from the venue anyway. The current reigning and defending absolute intense and one half of the tag team champions in AIW is going to make mincemeat. He's going to make short work. Uh, and hopefully this match goes on uh, after intermission. So you, the fans, can get one last photo opportunity with Broski in one piece <laughs> because Josh is going to tear him limb from limb one-on-one. Broski, uh, I ho- if anything, I just want Josh to break Broski's tweeting fingers. <laughs> uh, I might, uh, as Broski would say, I might slip a few bucks to uh, the boss, John Thorns, to pad the lope. 
for Josh to make sure that bounty is out there, like when Vern Gagne was going to pay off the Iron Sheik to break Hulk Hogan's legs at Madison Square Garden. If uh, Josh breaks any or all of Broski's tweeting fingers, uh, he's got he he might be getting a fr- uh, a visit from my friend Abraham Lincoln. <laughs> well, uh, you know what? I agree that everybody should watch that match as well as the AIW One Step Ahead show. But I disagree in the fact that you think that Stiffy McGee, Stiffy McGee's getting that win. I think that Broski's going home the AIW Universal Champion. So, so much so, and I'm calling an audible here, Joe, throw out your show notes because my show homework for this weekend is the AIW One Step Ahead show, Saturday, October 1st. Now, it's not streaming live. It is not. It is not streaming live, but it will be up available uh, for viewing before we record next week. All right, good. I I got worried there for a second. So, yes, I will watch that. And that is everybody's show homework for next week. See, when you go into business for yourself, sometimes it pays to check. Yeah. <laughs> or at least read the email that it wasn't included in the email of what's streaming this weekend live on Jerry's Internet Wrestling Emporium. If there's one thing I'm consistent on, Joe, it's me not reading your email. Touche. <laughs> at least, I, listen, it took 150 episodes for me to get you to reply to them. <laughs> I, I expect it, it, you to read them, you know? Yes, it's mostly just an emoji thumbs up. Right. <laughs> Very, very inspired by our show image this week, as you're looking at. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, so that AIW show, of course. And, hey, I'll say, uh, in the interim, watch Ace Degenerates, which was the show from this past uh, Thursday night that was going live as we recorded. Um, and I forget who I said it to. The uh, show in Akron this weekend is taking place at a Masonic temple that's run by actual olds who... Oh. Don't favor internet as much, but they do have a fully functioning Sunday bar at the venue. <laughs> so, listen, if I'm there live, I don't give a shit if you could watch live at home. I'm going to get myself a giant hot fudge Sunday and watch Broski <laughs> be annihilated. Should be a good time. Should be a good Absolutely. time. Absolutely, yes. Every- I know, and that's another thing. We haven't mentioned it quite as much as I'd like to. Uh, I think I do still include it in the show notes and stuff. There's like a whole like litany of plugs and shit for other people. Uh, but Joey from Kayfabe Collectibles is going to be there. And uh, he's got a great seller rating on eBay. Uh, he's got a lot of those lost treasures, toys, weird like videotape giveaways and all sorts of stuff. Uh, he is going to be bringing his traveling uh, wrestling I don't even know what you would call it, Superstore, to the AIW show this Saturday. So if you were there live, definitely check out Joey's stuff. I think if you use, if you tell him words sent you, unrelated to me, I'm not <laughs> the microphone, if you tell him that words sent you, I think you get like a free item or 5% off or some shit like that. I think that's a standing <laughs> offer. Nice, nice. Yeah, like I said before, I always keep an eye on his eBay store. I have him as a saved seller. There's some good stuff popping up in there. Absolutely. Joey's a good dude. I've known Joey for a long time. Yeah. So uh, that's your show homework. Don't you fucking bullet there. Um, <laughs> so now uh, we have to discuss last week's episode of Dark Side of the Ring as we're recording the FMW episode. It's airing last week, though, was uh, Chris Canyon. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So what did you know about this? Uh, what were your thoughts going into this? I guess what were you expecting? Yeah, so I feel like I definitely 
everything that was talked about with Canyon as far as his career, I, I knew about. You know, I've been a fan of Canyon, so I followed his you know rise through WCW. I knew about the D push that came with Mortis when the NWO came out, and you know all that stuff. Like that's all old hat to me. And the fact that when he came to WWE and was pretty much the Alliance MVP and a double champ, all that I knew. I also obviously knew that he was a closet homosexual for, for his career, for most of his career. And so that wasn't a surprise to me. And I knew obviously about the incident with Undertaker coming, you know, Canyon coming out of the box. Um, that stuff that was unavoidable as a wrestling fan of the era. The stuff that was new to me was the perspective of James Mitchell, you know, him being the friend, the, the confidant who knew the secret and just basically him talking about Canyon's bipolarism and like just living with that, you know, and just the, the, the burden and like the guilt that he felt from a, a shitty religious upbringing and how that just basically made him, you know, hate himself and lash out at people. So that was all very new to me. And obviously late in his career, the, the like the indie scene, like how he was, you know, he worked with the Bucks and he worked with uh, Brian Cage and stuff like that. I, I wasn't familiar with that. So that was just a nice little thing there. But it was mostly the father, James Mitchell, and how, you know, Canyon would, would just basically snap on him. That was all new to me. So just some correction-y stuff with. Uh, what you had mentioned there from the episode itself, not anything you said, of course. Um, So uh, father James Mitchell, um, whatever the uh, James Vandenberg, whatever the hell his name is. uh, He came out on social media and he, and he kind of clarified some things because this is one of the things that stuck with me. And I get when you get timeline stuff wrong. Okay. Mm. And uh, they said on the show that it was the advent of the NWO that resulted in like the whole blood runs cold angle being depushed. Um, now, if you remember Adam here on this very show, a couple weeks ago in this day in wrestling history, we did the actual on screen debut of Glacier. I think it might've been like two weeks ago, 25 days, like 25 years ago. Right. Okay. So the Blood Run Cold's vignettes had been running for eight months before Glacier debuted in ring. Slow Mortis, Mortis as a character doesn't debut on screen until January of 97. Okay. So the timeline was a little screwy, and James Mitchell is like, we all sat down, we recorded for like three hours, and sometimes they kind of said like, hey, this is the narrative that we need to tell. And sometimes the narrative, you know, as long as it doesn't hurt the integrity of what we're telling, you know, sometimes you just kind of go along with it. Sure. Okay. Another glaring omission. Now I'm not going to say that I knew the, you know, the huge extent of how abusive um, James Mitchell and Canyon's relationship was. Um, But there was an RF video shoot interview that was James Mitchell and Raven more on him in a moment uh, that was like right after Canyon's passing. Like they literally came from his funeral and they did the shoot interview hmm. and they kind of tiptoed around. Cause I think it was like still too fresh to be discussing like what, like the abusive part of the relationship was, yeah. but you could tell even then they did not hold it against Canyon. Just like you could tell in this um, James Mitchell didn't hold it against Canyon Obviously, at the time when it's going on, 
you know, we didn't know what was going on. The world was different then. We as a public, as a human race, didn't have the knowledge of how to treat or diagnose or handle people that have uh, mental illness, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously, I think we're all like, we'll never understand because everyone's mental illness is different than somebody else's. Um, you know, back then you would just say it's always oh, fucking nuts and move on. But, you know, sometimes someone who might be quote unquote fucking nuts might be dealing with something more that you just don't understand. And that was the case here. And there was a line from that Raven and uh, James Mitchell shoot interview that I'll never forget where Raven kind of says and like at the time, you know, maybe I think it, like it was right after he passed. So, you know, it was, you know, still like over 10 years ago. But Raven says that no matter, um, even if Canyon was able to come out and be an openly gay wrestler and do all those things earlier in his life, Canyon still hated Canyon. And until he was able to get over that, he'd never be happy. Yeah. And I think, and even Raven tweeted this out, uh, because I assumed, I'm like, oh, it's Canyon. I, I knew from those shoot interviews that, Raven and Canyon and James Mitchell had a relationship and Raven tweeted out for those wondering, I was not contacted to be a part of the Canyon episode. Uh, I'm puzzled as as anyone as to why not our friendship had a lot of depth to to it. And I felt as though uh, I could have helped contribute quite a bit with my own unique perspective on our relationship. Uh, So I was kind of like bummed out that they didn't reach out to him. I can only imagine what reasons they didn't. Um, who they did and why they did and so forth. There's a lot of times I'm always puzzled. I think sometimes um, the dark side of the ring people feel like we need like a sexy get, you know, as opposed to like, here are the people that were like the absolute 100% closest to this, but they're not like household names or they used to be household names and they're no longer household names. Mm -hmm. But if we could put a promo reel together and have Chris Jericho in it, who may have had a relationship with Canyon, but not as strong as somebody else. But Chris Jericho still on national TV today. So let's get Chris Jericho instead of someone else, right? Yeah. Again, I can't begrudge them for that because it's, you know, it's a business. You're trying to sell your product. Um, but I was a little bummed to find out that they didn't reach out to Raven. Uh, I liked the episode for what it was worth. And I did see a lot of people on both sides. And I say both sides, on all sides. As wrestling fans, as wrestlers themselves, who said that learning about Canyon's life either helped them deal with whatever mental things they may have been going through, or maybe even helping with, you know, their own sexual identity or gender identity, even in a lot of cases. Um, So one could only hope that a story like Canyon's can be remembered. Um, You know, obviously, we talk about um, you know, before the John Huber stuff, we talked a couple of weeks ago about the Owen Hart stuff. Um, and then of course you mentioned Brian Cage and the Bucks were close with Canyon. Uh, one can only hope maybe off the strength of this, that maybe the Bucks or Cage or some of them or one of them or something do something to hopefully acknowledge Canyon through AEW something, you know, yeah. um, I know that they had the micro brawler and a couple shirts through pro wrestling tees. And that's usually a lot of times like how these sort of things start. You know, we talked last week, there's never been a Canyon or a Mortis action figure. 
like one of the most toyetic motherfuckers of all time. And there's never been an action figure of him. Um, you know, even if they just threw him in one of the unrivaled or unleashed lines as like a legacy person and like yep. say all the all the proceeds are going to his family and who knows what his relationship with his family is or going to some sort of cause to support mental illness or, you know, whatever, something. Sure. Uh, but I, I like the episode and I like the the effect that I saw on the timeline that it was having on people. Yeah. And another thing, just to end on a positive note, is that, well, maybe not so much, but like Canyon was really, really, really good in the ring. And I love the fact that everybody recognized that. But one of the things that I did not know was that all the bits about like him being on the Howard start and you had uh, John Cena calling in and Ric Flair. Well, not a good two weeks for Ric Flair, but them basically saying that, you know, Canyon just doesn't have it. You know, he's just not good enough in the ring. And, you know, obviously they're towing the company line, but. What a bunch of bullshit! Because I mean, Canyon was phenomenal. Like, like they mentioned on the, the documentary, twenty yeah. years ahead of his time in the ring. Uh, yeah. So I, I was a big Stern fan at the time, and I remember all that Canyon stuff. You know, he was a Stern fan. He was in New York. He was a Mets guy. Artie was a Yankees guy. Uh, so like that's how that was kind of like his in. Yeah. And I even saw people that like. I socialize with online that are wrestling fans and Stern fans and they would be on like the Stern fan network. Like, and they would be like DM buddies on the Stern fan network message board with Canyon, you know? Um, but, and that's the thing I remember like all the shtick and the shenanigans and the nonsense that Canyon would come and do, but they did resurface of course, before the episode came out, the John Cena thing and the Ric Flair thing. And, you know, obviously, it was one of those things at the time. They were towing the company line. If you're going to go on there and say something, he's out there bad-mouthing us. This is what our company line is going to be to hopefully discredit or whatever him. And it sucked, you yeah. know? Um, uh, I'm sure both John and Ric Flair feel bad about it now, 2021. But at the time, you know, you got to you gotta tow that company line, I guess. Yeah. All right. Well, I will say going into next week's Dark Side of the Ring, I know nothing. So it's going to be an hour of new material for me. Uh, You know, as much of a Japanese wrestling expert as I am, I do have my blank spots. Right. Now, see, ironically, because FMW was so much like ECW, Mm -hmm. this is the Japanese wrestling that I have the most knowledge of, that I watch the most of. You know, all Japan, New Japan that everyone like still is into the stuff that technically holds up a little bit better. You know, this is the stuff like it was the explosions and the fire and the 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 match that takes place in the pool. Right. Where it's like (laughs) the big giant pool with the ring in the middle of it. And when people would fall into the water, it would explode. And like the images of like Mike Awesome and his like full gear and face paint taking like a little speedboat out to the ring because he's the next guy into the match, you know. But that era, you know, that was kind of concurrent with ECW was the Japanese wrestling that I watched. And then, uh, you know, you'll see young Ed of Pod Van Dam being like, oh, no, the sports entertainment era of FMW is the best era. Um, I think uh, you can count the people that are fans of that era uh, on one hand and still have enough uh, fingers left over to take the pickles off of your uh, chicken sandwich that you get from any of the fat fast food places, you know? <laughs> uh, but the other thing I want to mention about that episode, and we'll get more into it next week, of course, uh, Bahu, uh, Bahu FMW on Twitter, 
is like the FMW historian. And they consulted him for the show. Um, I retweeted it out on Thursday. But even if you watch this and you're any bit interested uh, in FMW and just kind of like digging into it a little bit, he has a 50-part series up on YouTube that's the entire history of FMW. And, you know, you'll be able to kind of hop, like pick and choose and hop around a little bit if you wanted to. Um, But you want to talk about thorough research. Like, like Bahu should be hired by, you know, AEW or some sort of other company like that. Like they hired Chris Harrington, who was like a numbers guy and a statistics guy for years and years and years, just because that's the way that his mind worked. And he was one of the guys that don't like one of the first hires for Tony Khan. If you're a researcher, if you're a historian, if you care anything about the history of professional wrestling, you need guys like Bahu on your side. Uh, you need guys like Chris Zellner uh, from Between the Sheets on your side. They already have Bix uh, being the researcher for that sort of thing. But the the stuff that guys like Bahu and Chris Zellner and there's others that I'm missing that just have this steel trap memory of a certain era or a certain promotion is just amazing to me, right? Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm looking forward to that and I'm probably going to do like a rewatch of some of those, uh, FMW videos on Bahu's channel. All right, cool. Looking forward to watching that episode. I like going in with things that I know nothing about. Yeah. Which is a lot of things. Right. Um, <laughs> uh, so we mentioned it before, of course, uh, cause Adam did assign the homework of, uh, this weekend's AIW show whenever it does show up on Jerry's Internet Wrestling Emporium, a.k.a. independentwrestling.tv. Uh, use our promo code. Uh, you don't get five free days, but if you're a new subscriber, that's how you tell Jerry that we referred you to the site. Uh, and if you stick around with them, something happens. I don't know how it works. Mm-hmm. Uh, but some of the more notable things next Friday is uh, their big IWTV super show that they're doing, headlined by Wheeler Yuta defending the Jerry TV title against Alex Shelley. Uh, I think the Rip City Shooters are defending the tag title against PME. And there's a bunch of other promotions that are being represented there. And then as we talk three weeks from today, when Time Bomb Pro does their big show uh, with Minoru Suzuki taking on friend of the show, Uh, Dominic Greeny, that's going to be streaming live for the first time on independentwrestling.tv. So get those subscriptions. And now the AIW show will be up, I would guess, by Tuesday at the latest and get prepared for the Super Show next uh, Friday and the Time Bomb Pro show on the uh, 22nd. And uh, listen, all roads on our end, unrelated to jerry.tv, lead to... Uh, the LVAC show returning to Sokol's on the 23rd, or I'm sorry, 22nd. So the Time Bomb Pro show is on the 21st. The LVAC show at Sokol's is on the 22nd. Uh, some talent has been announced, but the only match announced so far is Avery Good, comma, professional wrestler, mm-hmm. taking on Tony Deppin. Yeah, the match that we were deprived of, you know, due to the unfortunate injury, but we're finally getting it. Yes. Uh, Hydra has been announced as talent. Hollow Wicked has been announced as talent. Uh, Frightmare has been announced as talent. He doesn't have an official match graphic, but I'm sure Dan Champion will be there. He's already hawking memorial, like commemorative shirts for his appearance at the show, and he's not even booked yet. 
Um, but I will be there in a uh, professional capacity. Adam will be there uh, in a supervisory capacity. <laughs> yep, making sure everything goes according to plan, you know. <laughs> right, right. And again, I would be remiss not to mention uh, in regards to this, if you are planning on attending the show, uh, Sokol's is a small building, number one. Two, it's going to be re- uh, reduced capacity. Uh, masks will be required to be worn at all time and proof of full vaccination is required. Uh, negative tests will not be accepted. And uh, you're, you're starting to see a lot more um, uh, promotions, big and small, starting to do that as well. I think for the uh, AEW show in Rochester last night, it was uh, proof of full vaccination. And I think the AEW show last week at Arthur Ashe was the same thing as well. Now, granted, that number of people trying to check that many uh, verifications of vaccinations. There might have been some that slipped through the cracks. Um, I could assure you that the people involved with LVAC and putting on this show, there will be no cracks to be slipped through. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, plus, this is in the thick of spooky seasons, so a lot of people come and wear costumes, you know? Yeah, and hey, maybe more on that in weekly purchases. Oh, all right. Uh, so, um, I mentioned that. Um, what else do I have in my show notes to mention? So, uh, hey, don't forget show notes. Every episode goes up. You can check out our Amazon affiliate link. Does not charge you anything extra. Uh, gives us a little bit of a kickback uh, for any purchase. Amazon, uh, if it wasn't for us telling you that Amazon existed, you wouldn't even know. And this is the small favor that they do to us to, uh, you know, kind of help boost up this smaller company. Um, so Adam can get his cut of the fucking money at the end of the month. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, no sales going on at T public, but of course, tinyurlcom slash longbox heroes. You can check out our T public store. We can get designs inspired by uh, this show. Longbox heroes, Longbox heroes after dark final wrestling place and hit my music uh, on everything from cell phone covers to throw pillows to notebooks. And uh, I don't know, sign up for their mailing list. They're not too intrusive. They'll let you know ahead of time when the uh, sales are coming. And uh, I can't stress this one enough. If you are in the pigskin pickums, make sure that your picks are actually going through. Um, as many easy things that ESPN made for you to sign up, once you're actually signed up, they've made it somehow more difficult to your picks and your picks to actually be registered by the site. So... Just because you think you clicked all 16 teams for the week, uh, don't assume until that number changes to all picks are done, you know? Yeah, I was making my picks earlier today, and, and I almost got got. Like, I, I made my picks real quick, and then I looked at the bottom. I was missing two games, so yeah. I had to come back. All right. Well, that's probably it for the main show, I think, other than plugs. And speaking of plugs, Joe... I'm going to put this right at the beginning because as the champion of the A-Show, we're going to mention the A-Show at the top. So go check out, if you have not already, my appearance where I vanquished Tim and Brett. But other shows you can listen to are Longbox Heroes, Final Wrestling Place, We Need Wrestling, Porch Talk, Hit My Music. Listen to that Dan Champion episode a couple days ago as well. And uh, Wrestling Cheers, Between the Sheets, Viewer's Choice, Pod Van Dam iwtv guide and i'm mentioning at the very end here hellions talks i mentioned this here because number one thank you to kevin hellions mass library 
for going ahead and doing his extra credit and reviewing the premiere episode of Roads to the Top. Uh, he did that so that we don't have to. So go check that out. And also, if you listen to the their most recent episode where they were previewing going to uh, the, the the toy show RetroCon, um, you know they were at that show and it was a good episode. But I just want to mention on their way back, they were only about five minutes from my house. I offered a tour of the toy room, but the educator big timed me. He didn't want to come. So uh, just just want to know he I got an enemy on that podcast. Uh, the other two are okay. <laughs> oh my goodness yeah <laughs> but wasn't oh wasn't kevin the only one that got the mark picture with broski shouldn't that be worth something yeah yeah i guess i guess and he also got a mark picture of what what he claims is an important uh retails place you know i, I don't know what that logo was on that building because sure. again, i work at an importer exporter and he just went to like some random big box electronics store and took a picture i have no idea what the significance is Right, it was the Gander Mountain was closed. That's the real problem. That's what it was. It's now one of those uh, spirit Halloweens. <laughs> oh, it is? Yeah. Oh, boy. Uh, but yeah, that's it for plugs. That's it for the main show, Joe. All right. Uh, so let's get into weekly purchases. All right. Before we do, Joe. Oh, my goodness. I just. I wanna, mean, yes. I, ju- I just wanted to like get something ready here. Hold on. Thank you to the Jingle Meister of the soon-to-be-named network, Old DeWiki himself, and the host of Hit My Music for composing that totally original jingle for weekly purchases. Oh, boy. <laughs> oh, I feel like you're not appreciating that as much as I do, Joe. I, I would have appreciated it more if you didn't wrangle poor David into your shenanigans and nonsense. <laughs> But uh, I'm sure he he's a he's a big fan of uh, I don't know I I asked him I was like hey just make the thing like Broski does on on uh, you know major wrestling figure podcast and he had no idea what I meant so <laughs> poor guy just doesn't know uh, doesn't listen to the Toy Boy podcast but I appreciate the help you know so that's doubly you exposed him like I can see if he already had that rattling around in his head <laughs> but so not only did you forego using the ringtone maker yourself and cutting that up. Yeah. You're like, oh no, let's let's have you go and find out one of the broski things. <laughs> Which should have broski foisted upon them. <laughs> and there was consent given. I, I I sent him the link. It's not like I forced him down and played it in his ear. <laughs> Anyways, Joe, uh, big week for weekly purchases for me. I know, shocker, big shocker. Uh huh. Yeah. <laughs> So I just want to say, I I won't go into detail, but I I pre-ordered like a ton of Funko Pops. There was a lot of Mandalorian Funkos that went up for pre-order and a lot of other random stuff. But normally I don't mention Funkos unless it's a wrestling related one. And I know I am like in the thick of a purge, but I I pre-ordered a lot of Pops. But uh, 
Other than that, uh, just before I throw it over to you, I went on a doll safari on Tuesday. One of the most successful days for doll safari. Everybody knows that. And I was striking out a lot on my local Walmarts and Targets, but I was in your neck of the woods at the Wilkes-Barre Target, and right on the shelf was the Unmatched Series 1 Miro and Britt Baker figures. And uh, I bought both of them. Britt Baker was one that I had said if I saw it in the wild, I would buy it. I didn't want to buy it off of ringside with the, the Suckers Premium. but And the Miro... I prefer the uh, Redeemer, God's Favorite Champion, and the Wife Banger, Miro, but uh, you know what? I'll take this one as a placeholder. Gotcha. Were those the only two that they had or the only two there that you wanted? They were literally the only two on the peg. So gotcha. Like, you know, if honestly, if, if Miro was alone there, I probably would not, would not have bought it, but it was just something with, hey, these are the two figures that I kind of want from that series, so I'll buy both of them. Uh, one other thing before I throw it over to you, I've been talking to friend of the show, Derek, the guy that I kind of reach out to for photoshops when I, I need something done very well. And Derek is the uh, Michael Jordan of Finn Balor collecting. And so, like, eh, you know, I've been dabbling in getting a couple demon figures here and there. So I always kind of refer to him, you know, with his knowledge of the of the subject. And uh, one of the figures that he recently got, I got itchy about it. So I went and picked it up. I got it really cheap. It is an elite two pack of Finn Balor and AJ Styles, where they're basically throwing up the the two suite to each other. And it's a cool little two pack that I got for for way less than it's going for now. Gotcha. What about you, Joe? Did you get anything? Uh, yeah. So uh, as you mentioned before, uh, the spooky season is upon us. Um, and I, this week, made the purchases, plural, and kind of combines into one, uh, of my and my wife's Halloween costumes this year. I know we had spoke here uh, on the podcast a couple weeks ago in regards to the stuff that we had gotten for my son's. Halloween costume, some character from some Friday Night Funkin' game. I don't know what this is, but a thing. Um, my intent initially was uh, I was going to go to the LVAC show dressed as Sidney Bacabella. <laughs> but um, then uh, my kid's birthday is around Halloween time, and he decided to have his birthday late enough in the month that it's close enough to Halloween that he's like, oh, going to have everyone dress up for the party. So, like, obviously, we the parents need to dress up. I go to that as Sydney Bacabella. No one's going to understand what it is, and it's going to be more weird and confusing than anything else. <laughs> so my wife and I doing thematic costumes. I am Wario and Waluigi. Hmm. So it was just the piece. The, the Wario stuff was a little bit easier to get. Mm -hmm. Um, they do the, the pre-packaged, like official hat gloves and like nose or whatever. Yeah. Uh, I just had to buy like a yellow shirt and you know, I'm good to go. But because I intend to wear it to the LVAC show, uh, I did get a face mask that is like Wario's nose and mouth as well. So that's part of my costume as well. And we did the same for my wife. She has the Waluigi one as well. Uh, so again, it's not the first time that we've done couples costumes before when my son was much smaller, he wanted to be Mario, um, or something. He wanted to be Mario 
And my wife was like, well, I'll be Luigi and dad could be Wario. I want to be Wario. I like Wario, you know? Yeah. He's he's like the really fat Super Mario character and he's evil, you know? <laughs> um, so my kid, he was like three or four at the time. He wouldn't let my wife be Luigi. I had to be Luigi and she had to be Princess Peach. All right. So she begrudgingly was Princess Peach. Now this year he has no say in the matter. She was kind of like, fuck you. I'm being Waluigi, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so it was just like kind of buying the pieces like, oh, get the gloves here, get the shirt here, get the hat. So it was all those sort of things. I think it ended up being a total for the two costumes together, like 70 bucks when it was all said and done. Sure. And I couldn't see myself like spending like another, like even $35 to put together a second, a separate second costume for Halloween. Like I'm all for Halloween, but not for me. Halloween's not my holiday. Like Halloween is for like the kids. Yeah. I am regretting not being able to see you dressed up as Sydney Bacabella, but the, the problem is there's no way you can get any kind of like wig or anything that could hold a candle to his beautiful natural head of hair. That's true. Um, yeah. But I would have tried. Yeah, this is true. I, I know I've mentioned on the show here before, a lot of people think I'm wearing a wig. <laughs> and if this and if this hair was a wig, would you think that I'd have a giant lawsuit on my hands against the company that made my hair look like this? <laughs> very true. Very true. Well, hey, Joe, speaking of Sydney Bacabella. Oh, you bit the bullet. Go ahead. I, I got got. I got I, I got carnied into buying one of the beautiful hand painted Sydney Bacabella custom figures that he put up for sale. Uh, I, I saw it and I was like, oh, you know what? That would look awesome sitting at my podcasting desk. I'm a fan of Sydney. And I chose the powder blue version because what better representation of the former two-time WWE Hall of Famer than like a powder blue suit. So I bought one and uh, I'm looking forward to it coming in. I'll take some pictures of it. Uh, it, Like I said, it'll go on my podcasting desk right next to my broski retro. Now, I know uh, he had been practicing to get to, to being able to sell those by working on refurbishing, rehabbing, whatever word you want to use, old LJNs, right? Yeah, yeah, I've he seen would, some of those progresses, yeah. Right, he would kind of clean some of them up, and then his next experiment was taking a whole bunch of banged-up Rick Rudes and making Orange Cassidy LJNs. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if he ever ended up selling them or what he ended up doing with those, uh, but I'll be interested to see, like, because I can't tell from the pictures what he used to make the Sydney Bacabella uh, uh, customs, you know? Yeah. yeah, I'm not, like, a collector of that era. You know, I, I didn't have LGNs as a kid. It was before my time, so I'm not familiar with the molds. But when it comes in, you know, I'll take some pictures and, you know, we'll discuss. I think I think they're Bendems. Okay, that makes more sense based on he, how he big had, they He are. said that they're minifigures, quote-unquote. Yeah. And I'd be interesting to see if you could decipher what minifigure they're based off of. Well, uh, the thing with mini, or, or I'm sorry, with uh, Bendems. The Bendems. Yeah, with Bendems, don't they have the signatures molded into the back? So unless he shaved it off, the signature might still be there. That'll be interesting to see when you get them. Yeah, yeah. More on this as it develops. We'll be yeah. following the story closely. Yes. Um, I have like one more thing to talk about. Do you have anything else? I do. Uh, right. So on the timeline uh, the other day, Stacy Silvers of a super fantastic podcast uh, tweeted out that one of the items that you could get at Universal Horror Nights 
was this delightful looking Leatherface Texas Chainsaw uh, glass tumbler. Uh, he was like, hey, anyone gets one of these, let me know. And I'm like, holy shit, that's awesome. Let me go first. And this is unfortunately the way my mind works. When I see something like that pop up online or I'm looking through something, I am, my first instinct is to go to eBay, right? Sure. I go to eBay. I see there was a guy. He's He sold five. He has one left. And it ends up with shipping being like 29 bucks. So I'm like, fuck it. I'm buying it, right? Yeah, it doesn't seem too out of hand, you know? Yeah, I, 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 there was intentions at the beginning of the year that um, sometime in October we were going to be going to Universal. Uh, those plans fell through for a variety of reasons. Uh, but I'm like, all right, I'm going to bite the bullet. And I'm like, I got it. Um, so then Todd chimes in and says, hey, dopes, you <laughs> could have just Googled this and it would have taken you to the Universal's website. And instead of spending whatever you spent, you can get them for 12 bucks. <laughs> so I'm like, shit, let me see if I can cancel my eBay order. And like, I was, that is the, like, first of all, I've never canceled an eBay order. And I'm like, I'm going to get st stuck with two of these. One that I pay, you know, after shipping $19 and another one after shipping, I paid $29 for, right? Yeah. I'm going to get stuck with two of them and I'm going to be kicking myself over <laughs> But it was like one of those things where like I went, I canceled, and it says pick your reason. Found cheaper elsewhere. I'm like, I'm gonna be honest, found cheaper elsewhere. Yeah. I send it, and like literally like a minute later, it's like boom, your order's been canceled. Boom, your refund's been processed. Yeah. So uh, as soon as I got that, I got the link that Todd had sent. I got my glass, and I got my ship. And like I ordered my, I ordered the glass last night, like 10 o'clock last night, as we're recording on a Wednesday and I got my shipping notification this morning that it's on its way. No, that's awesome. Yeah. I, I, I'm sure. Cause again, uh, you know, f uh, Halloween fright nights or whatever, uh, from Halloween horror nights, Halloween horror nights has been, you know, a, a huge topic of discussion recently on major land. So I just assume you're, what's a couple that? I don't know what that is. You're probably just a couple episodes behind, you know, that's probably why, but, uh, they mentioned on there that a lot of the merch is available online. So you don't have to carry it around the park if you buy it, but I'm sure you'll get there once you, you know, get through some of your backlog of episodes. <laughs> what is that? Is that a podcast? I assume I think it's more like a, like on the air therapy session, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> court mandated one might say maybe uh but yeah no that's awesome i'm glad i'm not a i'm not a big horror guy hold it against me but those do uh look awesome those those cups joking around i will say i know broski had mentioned in passing uh on the main major wrestling figure podcast show that he did end up getting all the things that he wanted from universal uh i did not know that he had just gone through their website to get whatever it was i thought yeah. like Maybe it was one from him going or two, like it was one of the deals that he cut with someone where it's like, hey, you go to the park and get X, Y, Z, and I'll send you like a signed Broski headband or some shit. Right? <laughs> what a bargain. There oh, go. my goodness. <laughs> um, but the, the one thing that I did uh, I, or the one thing that I did not do is uh, I just got my glass. I did not click around the site to see if there was anything else, because I guess there was like Child's Play stuff and Beetlejuice stuff. And more Texas Chainsaw Massacre stuff for Halloween Horror Nights this year. And if I saw any more Texas Chainsaw Massacre stuff, I absolutely would have bought it. I showed restraint. I just got the one glass, and that's it. Well, it's not like the stuff's going away tomorrow. You've got uh, you got an entire month to shop if you get itchy again. Yeah. Yeah. 
All right, Joe, for my final thing is uh, kind of like a two-parter. I don't know if I mentioned this explicitly on the pod or if I just kind of uh, referred to it or like made like a mention, but I did a deal ski maybe a month or so ago with Brett from We Need Wrestling to acquire his Sergeant Slaughter Ultimate Edition San Diego Comic-Con figure. Uh, Yeah, you did mention that. Yeah, so I uh, the deal was basically, hey, I'm going to trade you this stuff for this ultimate chase. I'm sorry, for this ultimate uh, figure. And the only caveat would have been if he received the chase, uh, we would just negate the deal and he would buy the stuff that he got off of me, if that makes sense. You know, it was like, hey, I'm trading you uh, for the standard edition slaughter. But if you happen to get the chase... You know, well, you know, maybe we'll revisit a, another deal. But he got the standard edition, so we met up this past Sunday, and uh, you know, he came through. He so I got the Sergeant Slaughter Ultimate figure from him, and later on in that day, it turned out that DJ actually got the Chase version, the black card version. I don't know if you right. saw that. So. You know, he, he was offering it to me to to sell it to me, and uh, we were looking at the going. Uh, rate on eBay for these figures, and uh, the Chase Edition is selling on eBay for like two fifty, two seventy five, something like that. Right. And I was like, yeah, I'm I'm not interested in like a figure like that's just crazy high price. Not like fucking the, money. Yeah, I was like, not the you know DJ was charging a lot. It's just it's an expensive figure, and obviously he needs to get what he needs to get out of it. So while I was doing some investigating on eBay. You know, I sort by lowest price, show me just like Slaughter Ultimate Edition, you know, without the word chase, just to see, you know, some people call it chase, some people call it black card variant, whatever. I wanted to cast a wide net. So I saw uh, a Slaughter Ultimate Edition black card chase that was buy it now or best offer 110 bucks. Woo! So... I looked at the pictures. There's like five or six pictures and it's not stock photos. It's from every angle and it's clearly the black card. I read the description and it just says in there, Oh, get, you get what's pictured, you know, any questions, let me know. So I'm like, do I send a best offer? Yes. But Joe, I'm not the only person out there searching for this figure. What Uh if the person, what if the seller's like at work and they're not going to check their, uh, their offers for a couple hours. I'm like, what am I going to do? Negotiate them down 10 bucks. So I, I just went ahead and I clicked buy it now for 110 bucks. So baby, I honestly, I did not wake up that day looking for the chase figure, but to get it for $110, I think like after shipping and taxes, it was like 122 or something like that. But in my mind, since I just traded Brett for the other one with stuff I already had, I kind of got both figures for 120 bucks, you know. So if I do the the justification, you do the Braun Breaker math on that, it, it all makes sense. Like I, I got two ultimates for you know 60 bucks a piece, so I'm very happy. I think I got a, a crazy deal on that that chase, and just continuing to build up my ultimate collection. So the question I have is: Are we keeping both? We flipping one? We opening one? What are we doing? Well, at this moment. I'm an ultimate collector, but who knows where I'll be, you know, six months from now. I think if it comes to the point where I'm starting to thin out wrestling figures, which who knows, I I come in and out of like desire stuff. 
Uh, I would probably just sell the uh, standard one, you know, and hope to get a hundred bucks for it, you know, make up what I paid for the chase and then just keep the chase. You know, if you're only going to keep one, you keep the chase. Yeah. Yeah. So, but I, you know, and again, I, I say, you know, um, with getting the chase for literally like half what it's going for. Yeah. Um, you know, I was wondering if maybe you try to flip the chase and use that money to get something that you really quote unquote want, like the other ultimates that you're missing because mint and box ultimate seems to be an investment uh, opportunity these days. <laughs> that, that's what I hear. But, uh, you know, you never know. Again, if I sell this slaughter ultimate chase and get, you know, like for example, the HBK ultimate is one that I really want or the, the bread ultimate, which is one I want, but not as much as HBK. Cause he's not as good. Uh, then like, where am I going to be at? If like six months from now, I'm like, Oh man, I really wanted that slaughter. I don't know. So I just figure I'll hold on to it for now. See where the market goes. Enjoy it when it comes in. We'll see what happens. I'm gotcha. just happy I got it for as cheap as I did. For sure. But that's it. Just a light week of weekly purchases. <laughs> yeah, just five or six things, multiple hundreds of dollars spent. <laughs> and you know the thing is, Joe, every single week I'm like – Oh, I don't foresee myself buying anything this week. Maybe a Funko. Maybe I'll grab a figure off the pegs if I catch it in the wild. So, like, I'm always sitting down, like, today as we record this is a Thursday. I always get to, like, Tuesday. You know, maybe even Wednesday without spending hardly any money. And I think, oh, this is going to be the one episode where I shock everybody and I don't buy anything. But it never happens. I don't know why. Mm. (laughs) We'll see. One day. One day I'm going to literally have nothing and then we're just going to, everybody will be sad. Right. And I got, I, and see, at least for me, I got, um, my kid's birthday coming up yeah. and Christmas is around the corner. So I'll have weekly purchases there, but this is like a rare week where it was like two purchases for me and no one else, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And technically the Halloween costume, while it's for your body is for your kid's benefit. Yeah, that's yeah. true. So father of the year. Eh, let's not go that far. <laughs> Father, I'm, of do, the- I'm doing all right. I could always do better. Yeah. All right. Well, that's all I got, Joe. All right. Well, uh, again, everyone, thank you very much for listening to episode 158 of At Odds with Wrestling. For Adam, this is Joe saying be safe out there and enjoy some wrestling. You're listening to the soon-to-be-named network, the Lamborghini of Podcast Network.